0: So glad that you joined us for today's episode of Everyday Truth as we continue talking about Jeremiah in prison. So we find in Jeremiah chapter 32 verses 1 through 5 that Jeremiah, through no fault of his own, he's just preached the truth of God's word, which has been hard to hear. It's been very pointed and specific. And Zedekiah the king just doesn't like it. And even though he sees all around him, The evidence that Jeremiah's prophecy is true. You can see the Babylonian army. They've already come in. They're already sieging the city. There's no way out. It seems inevitable. And yet doggedly and determined and, and with great determination, Zedekiah just refuses to submit to the fact that Jeremiah's prophecy from God is right. He is just in total denial and Jeremiah's suffering as a result of that wickedness and that rebellion. He's in prison several times in my life. Well, more than several times as a pastor, I've had occasion to visit prisons. I've, I've done ministry in prisons and I've preached in prisons. I, I've never been to prison for a crime I've committed. Not yet, at least. I hope not. But uh, and maybe there's coming a day in our nation when even the preaching of the gospel or taking a stand on moral issues will be a crime. I hope not. But but that could very well be the case. And maybe people in righteousness will have to endure prison. That's happened down through the ages. And so we're, we're not the exception to that rule. But I've also visited people in prison, gotten the pass and the authorization. Uh, I've visited people on death row. So I've been in prisons. And what we're going to see in Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse number six and following is that Jeremiah receives a visitor while he's in prison. And what happens is very, very odd. Something that Jeremiah does, which is admirable But even Jeremiah doesn't entirely understand it. God told him what to do, but what we're going to find as the passage unfolds is Jeremiah obeyed the Lord, but then he kind of questioned like, Lord, why would you have told me to do that? It makes no sense. And by the time we get to the end of the chapter, which is really a few episodes away, we're going to see how God vindicates what he told Jeremiah, encourages him by telling him what the future holds. So look at Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse number six. The Bible says, and Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, so that would make Hanamiel his cousin, shall come unto thee saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth. So that's Jeremiah's hometown. It's a few miles away from Jerusalem. It's the city of the priests. Many priests are from there. But Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. So property rights in Israel were highly valued and protected by God's law. God's desire for his people is that they would be landowners, because when you own part of the land, you have stock in the promise that God gave, in the inheritance of that land. So God designed that his people would always have ownership in the land that he had given. It wouldn't just become a a corporate domain or public land, but it would all be privately owned by families. And there would be a vested interest therein. And and the law was set up that the land would always revert back to the original family after the year of Jubilee, after 50 years. I mean, God did not want the land to be in some corporate entity's hands. He wanted it to be the land of the people. And therefore, when land was sold or maybe somebody died or money was owed, It was always the first right of the nearest relative to be able to redeem, to purchase that land, maybe to pay off the lien price on it, but to have access for the sake of the family name. Uh, There's a great example of that, of course, in the book of Ruth, as Boaz had property available to him that had belonged to Elimelech, including uh, the, the wife of Elimelech's son, Malon, whose name was Ruth. And remember, when that property became available, Boaz had to first approach the nearer kinsman in Ruth chapter 4, who had to be willing to relinquish or deny his right to redeem that land so that Boaz, the next kinsman, could redeem that land. And uh, I think there's a, that's a great illustration because here, a cousin of Jeremiah visits him in prison, or at least God says this will happen. God says, this is going to happen, Jeremiah. Your cousin's going to show up and he's going to ask you if you want to have this property that is your right to have because you apparently are the nearest kinsman or the next kinsman. Now, I've got to believe that if Jeremiah is just the cousin here, that there were probably others. Families were large back in those days, and this was his cousin, his uncle's son. So there were probably other family members who had been approached about this who had said no. And why would you want to buy property if the Babylonians have already inhabited all that land? Think about it. Anathoth is outside of the city walls of Jerusalem. The the city is already being sieged. Uh, The the ground all around Jerusalem is already under Babylonian control. Uh, They're already taking over the land. So what kind of decision would it be to buy land that you're not going to be able to use— that some foreign entity is already going to confiscate. I mean, this seems like a ridiculous thing and a ridiculous proposal and a ridiculous location that somebody would actually come to Jeremiah in prison and say, hey, you want to buy some property? And yet that's exactly what God says is going to happen. Look at verse number eight. So Hanamiel, my uncle's son, came to me. Oh, so verse seven God said this is going to happen. And then, verse 8, it happens. So, if it was going to happen anyway, then why did God tell Jeremiah it was going to happen before it happened? I think the reason is because God wants Jeremiah to buy this property. And If this had not been of the Lord and the Lord had not instructed him to do so, I think Jeremiah has a a good head on his shoulders. Jeremiah would just say, no, I'm not going to buy that land. Why would I buy that land? But the fact that God has told him, and this is a matter of revelation, now all of a sudden there's a whole different way to look at this. So watch this, verse number eight. So Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, buy my field. I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin. For the right of inheritance is thine. You're the next guy in line, Jeremiah. And the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Buy it for yourself. Well, first of all, the Babylonians are controlling that land. Second of all, Jeremiah doesn't really have access to anything. He's in prison. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So now Jeremiah, oh, that's why God showed me that. Oh, that's why God told me that. Now I can see God wants me to do this. Now, knowing what God wanted was one thing for Jeremiah knowing why God wanted him to do it is quite a different thing. And that's the, that's the problem, isn't it? In our lives that we often know the what that God wants us to do, but we don't know the why, but the mistake we make sometimes is that we won't do the what of God until we know the why of God. And therein we live in disobedience because God's wise often follow his what's human beings always want wise to precede the what's, but that's not typically the way God works. So Jeremiah knows, okay, I'm supposed to buy this property. Look at verse number 19 or verse number nine. And I bought the field of Hannah my uncle's son that was in Anathoth and weighed him the money. Even 17 shekels of silver must have seemed like he was throwing money away. And money, of course, was very precious because inflation was out of control. Food prices are skyrocketing. The siege is on. You would save money, especially in that society. There's no paper money. It's all coinage and and real money and silver and in gold. I mean, this is not the time to part with that for a field that you're not going to use in a land that's already inhabited by the foreign entity. This makes no sense, humanly speaking. Verse number 10, and I subscribed the evidence and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed him the money in the balances. So everything was done by the book. You had to weigh the, the silver to make sure that it was actually that weight in silver. So you had to vet out the, the price and, and then you make sure that you had the appropriate number of witnesses uh, to attest to the veracity of the deal. And then you had to seal it. So what they would do is they would inscribe on papyrus, paper, uh, the, the deed, and then it would be folded and then it would be tied up and then it would be sealed like with a wax seal so that it couldn't be open. And so if the seal were broken, somebody has you know, broken the seal that, that means that, that you're, that, that, that something nefarious is taking place. So the sealed copy of the deed is yours as proof that it belongs to you. And then you would also have a copy, an open copy of the deed that was not sealed. So you knew what it actually said, and there would be an exact copy. So look at verse number 11. So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. So he took both copies, the sealed one and the unsealed one. And I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch. Now this is the first time we're hearing about this guy Baruch. Baruch, who he, who's he? He's the son of Neriah, the son of Asaiah, in the side of Hanamiel, mine uncle's son. So Baruch was the scribe of Jeremiah. We're going to learn more about him. So a trusted companion, a servant of Jeremiah, and so he he gives he gives Baruch these two documents. And in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. So everyone was there, saw what was going on. So this was a matter of public record. And I charged Baruch before them saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and this evidence, which is open and put them in an earthen vessel, like a jar of clay like the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in clay jars, and that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. So here's the point. The point is, this makes no sense in the moment. But Jeremiah, by purchasing this property, you are making in action a message. And the message is, I fully believe that God is going to give this land back. And I am purchasing this land in token of the fact that it remains in my family's name. And this land will again have uh, crops on it and be tilled and planted and watered. And family members will be nourished and nurtured there. It was a symbol of the fact that God's promises are true. Put your money where your mouth is. Jeremiah, God's word is true. You can bank on it. And I love that. Don't you? Now, Jeremiah still kind of is a little bit uh, uh, quirky on this thing. And he comes back to why that that was a lot of money for a property I'll never use. But uh, we'll come to that as it unfolds. For now, let's just rejoice in the fact that uh, God made a promise. This land again will be restored. Hope that helps today. We're going to jump into verse number 16 tomorrow. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.